The London Whale prosecution is falling apart, and Manhattan federal prosecutors are dropping all criminal charges against two former J.P. Morgan Chase traders accused of hiding more than $6.2 billion in trading losses five years ago. Prosecutors have spent years trying unsuccessfully to have Javier Martin Arteo and Julian Grout extradited from their home countries of Spain and France. But the reason for dropping the charges goes to the heart of the evidence. The testimony of Bruno Ixel, the Frenchman who was dubbed the London Whale because of huge derivative trades he made. Prosecutors no longer believe they can rely on Ixel's testimony because in a recent de deposition he said he had written a 400-page memoir of the case claiming there was no fraud. Joining us is Robert Hockett, a professor at Cornell University Law School. Bob, Federal prosecutors don't often drop charges in white-collar criminal cases. How big a blow is this for the Manhattan U.S. Attorney's Office? Well, in, in one sense, it's a very large, it's, it's a considerable blow. In another sense, it's, it's sort of routine, and it's not really that surprising or out of the ordinary. This, the, I'll start with the latter. The sense in which it's not out of the ordinary, or the sense in which it's kind of routine, uh, is that it's, it's, it's long been understood and long been established that certain countries uh, are reluctant to extradite their own citizens for proceedings in other nations' criminal courts. France, in particular, is notorious or well-known for this. Uh, Germany is as well, and in this particular case, of course, Spain uh, is equally uh, reluctant uh, to, to extradite a citizen of its own uh, over here to the U.S. So that happens all the time. And any time you have a case then where you actually are um, requiring or, or um, in need of another nation to sort of extradite its own citizens rather than others who are just resident within those other nations, uh, you're sort of taking a chance. Um, so in that sense, it's not that surprising. The sense in which it's a blow, of course, uh, is that these were really the, the remaining defendants. Uh, in the criminal case. Uh, and if they're not going to be extradited, and if furthermore, uh, Ixil's uh, testimony is not actually going to be incriminating of them, then it does look as though this particular case falls apart. We should keep in mind, however, that there's nothing to prevent the SEC uh, or other financial regulators from continuing to pursue uh, this case. It's just that these are not going to be criminal cases. Well, Bob, let's talk for a second about the, the government's rationale here. So they've mm -hmm. been pursuing this case for a very long time. Now mm -hmm. Ixel writes this memoir. But in the context of the charges, why is it that they really felt they needed to drop the case here? Uh, I think uh, there are a couple, couple reasons. But one is that they were going to be relying very heavily on the testimony of Ixil himself, right? Um, and so if it looks now as though Ixil is not going to be particularly helpful when it comes to going after these particular defendants, then pretty much the entire predicate of the suit has been removed, right? Uh, as you probably know, and as you probably uh, have, have read, I mean, Ixel's claim is, is not so much that there was no fraud at all, it, it's, it, as much as it is that essentially it all came from higher up. So in a sense, what he's saying is, look, if you guys want to go after somebody, and J.P. Morgan Chase, you've got to go to the higher-ups. Uh, I'm not going to help you go after the traders, uh, because we were actually just doing what we were told to do. So in effect, he's just telling the government that it, it, it's, you know, at this point, it looks as though the strategy or the targets that they chose were the wrong targets. The other thing, again, is the fact that the two defendants can't be extradited anyway, that the nations of which they are citizens are not going to extradite them here. That, of course, also undercuts the case, at least as, a, as far as trim, uh, criminal charges are concerned. So, Bob, tell us what the traders were actually charged with. 
They were charged with concealing, right, taking various measures to conceal the magnitude of losses that J.P. Morgan actually incurred through a series of de- derivative trades uh, back in the lead-up to uh, the London whale scandals breaking uh, back in the spring of 2012. So it, 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 these would have been classic securities fraud-type charges, where you're actually concealing from your own investors, you're concealing from the wider public how much you've lost in particular transactions, with a view, of course, to sort of maintaining the value of your uh, shares out there and to and maintaining the attractiveness of yourself as a, an object of investment for investors. Well, can they now, you know, you now have a case where they've dropped the case because of the cooperators not being so credible. <clears throat> can they now rescind the, um, the cooperation agreement? You mean J.P. Morgan itself? No, the, the bank? well, with Ixel, with Ixel. Oh, um, uh, I. Uh, that's that really. I'm, it's that's unclear. I have to say, I don't think there's a good, clear answer to that. Uh, and the reason is, is 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 that we don't know precisely what is in Ixel's 400-page memoir yet, and we don't know whether the content of it, which is likely, which is thought to undercut or uh, sort of um, render the government's case less helpful. We don't know to what extent that content itself was uh, sort of prohibited, let's say, uh, by the cooperation agreement, right? In other words, it's not, we, we can't decide, we can't know yet whether Ixil's 400-page memorial is itself in some sense in contravention of the cooperation agreement until we actually have a chance to comb through it. Bob, looking back, hindsight 2020, should mm-hmm. Ixel have been given this kind of a deal? Uh, that's, that's just a, another tough call. I mean, certainly in retrospect, it's looking as though it wasn't a good strategy. Um, but again, it's hard to tell because it might well be that the agreement itself precluded a memorial of the kind, right, that Ixil is now said to have written. Uh, and if that's the case, right, then we can say, all right, look, the government sort of covered its tracks very well here, or it sort of provided for a contingency of this kind very well by virtue of the terms of the agreement. But we can't know yet whether that was provident or not, because we don't know yet whether, again, uh, the details of this 400-page document that Ixil has put together uh, actually end up, you know, being in contravention of of that agreement. Well, uh, I think, you know, if, if anything, my my in, inclination is to say that the real mistake here uh, is is more likely to be uh, the concentration on traders themselves. Those are sort of lower down in the hierarchy, rather than looking up higher up in the hierarchy, uh, which, of course, Ixil has maintained all along was where the government should have been looking. Very quickly, in about 30 seconds, Bob, that we have left, are, when you say, you know, the SEC might go forward, so what kind of jeopardy do these traders still face in terms of what, what kind they, of charges they might see? Sure. Uh, so they, they still stand, they still uh, face the possibility of significant fines being levied by the SEC uh, or suspensions or prohibitions from ever participating uh, in the U.S. financial markets, which are non-trivial uh, sanctions, right? So uh, now it could be that they, <laughs> they're not really interested in doing it anyway, since if they set foot in the United States, uh, they would be subject to prosecution. But nevertheless, I mean, these would be significant regulatory sanctions of a kind that would affect quite uh, significantly anybody who actually wanted to participate in U.S. financial markets again. 
Bob, always a pleasure to have you on Bloomberg Law. That's Robert Hockett, professor at Cornell University Law School.